Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Brooklyn with Jared Dudley, the new Nets forward. And Jared and I go all over the NBA from the contenders to the relationships between NBA officials and players right now, how the star player has changed in the NBA, what he wants in free agency, and and Jared's latest, newest home here with the Nets. Great visit as always with Jared Dudley. Here's our visit. Here with Jared Dudley in Brooklyn after his first news conference as a net. You're still in pretty good shape as an NBA player if they still have a press conference for you when you get traded somewhere, right? That, that is true. Or they could just send a little transcript and uh, do the physical. You could do the conference call. <laughs> but they had like, you know, they had you out. They had guys here, food. Right, so yes. you're still like a pretty good NBA player when they're going to do that for you. Uh, I'm, I'm respectable. I'm respectable <laughs> around the league. <laughs> hey, coming to Brooklyn, I mean, I know you had talked. You were trying to figure out what your exit strategy might be in Phoenix, where they're going much younger, and you're going into the last year of your deal, and you're trying to figure out. Okay, maybe is there a place for me if I get bought out here? I know you'd had some talks with the Suns on that, and then out of the blue comes a trade to a place that actually needs a stretch for, has a spot for you that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at it like this as a player in this league. I, I've seen players come in and out of this league. I mean, you can only go so long without playing. I don't care how much money you make. Uh, I've been blessed to sign a good deal with Phoenix. I was starting there within by December. They, they went young from that I think in the last two years, 50, 60 DMPs. So for me, the primary focus for me was to find a situation where I could play, where I know I can still play. If you looked at my plus minus last year, be able to contribute that. But now it's like getting to a team where sometimes you're out of sight, out of mind. And if you don't play in this league, you could be, I don't care if you're making 10 million, 20 million dollars, you could be out the league in a year. So for me, I'm trying to keep this, keep this ship sailing. Yeah. And you're not playing on a team that was the worst in the league last year. You feel like you're on the edge of the earth when it's a really bad team. You're not playing, or even if you're playing, is anyone even noticing? Do my stats mean anything? Does a plus-minus mean anything mm-hmm. on a bad team? It's Some of it can feel empty, and you're going, does anyone still think I have value given where I am? Very true. I think you have to look at every team. Every team's situation is different. If the difference, the difficult thing for us in Phoenix was uh, we made a coaching change within three games. So now the whole philosophy, they changed the practice schedule. So for us to get in a rhythm and a flow to try to help, because my number one goal for me and my contract was to mentor. And so stuff was thrown out of whack. Who's playing? Who's not playing? Sometimes Tyson wouldn't play Aaron back to back. They brought Greg Monroe because they're trying to trick. There was so much going on there. And, and it's understandable. You're a young team. They're trying to more develop. Winning wasn't the priority. And I, I'm glad Booker developed into the player he is. I think Josh Jackson has it. And I think it paid off. We get a number one pick, DeAndre. So I think the future's bright. I just think for a veteran player, uh, Reza coming in, he might see a little bit uh, of that. I think that sometimes it can get a little frustrating of not seeing the direction. As a player, if you can see the direction, then you can embrace it and I just it was tough to see it at times. Your mindset changed pretty quickly, right? From trying to figure out where there might be a fit with a contender on a buyout to a trade, and then looking at the roster right away and going, Brooklyn actually can use me. I don't have to get a buyout and go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, a buyout was never was never in the cards for me of wanting it. Now, I know that Phoenix was trying to move on and, and trying to see the possibility of a trade to a buyout, and that's something that I wasn't really to give up because, for one, I'm, I was always taught you never give away uh, money that you already have. So, yes, if there was the right situation, 
possibly I, I could, but during free agency time, it's very difficult to find that where people are waiting on, you know, Capella still hasn't gotten paid. So teams are still waiting on their guys and other guys to get, you saw Beasley just signed. And then once I heard the trade for Brooklyn, it, it to me it just came back full circle where two years ago before I picked Phoenix, I actually thought I was going to Brooklyn. I mean, they were on me the, the, the heaviest. Talked to Coach Atkinson, talked to Coach, I mean, talked to the GM, Sean Marks, Trajan Langdon, and to the point where I was excited of living in, in New York, being from California to have one year to, or a couple years to live in New York, it, it kind of excited me. It has become, I think, harder in the league for players who are in their early 30s and then guys getting into their mid-30s who, you know, are on the back end of their career. Roster spots used to go to, hey, let's bring some veterans in who can mentor or who can help us, whatever the role would be. And now teams aren't going to the full 15. They're not all using the full 15. The two-way contracts are a way to keep some young guys around. And we know it's coming probably by 2022 when the high school, high school players are coming yeah. back in, that's going to push older guys out of the league. For sure. The $2.3 million, instead of going for a second-round pick for 500000 or a partial guarantee to the two-way guys, Phoenix definitely did value I mean, the money they pay me to be able to mentor. And I, I think they, some teams have the impression where, hey, we're going to lose. Instead of paying this, kid, this uh, vet $8 million, why not pay this young guy $1 or $2 million? And, and this is what I will say for this. It's hard, even when, a, even when a vet is not playing, to teach a young guy how to be a pro. To go through the buses, the planes, when you're on a four-game losing streak. There's The conversations that I had with Booker, they're invaluable of what that has. And people, they don't know the stuff that he was thinking during times of being frustrated and what's going on with the organization. When I was there with Giannis, with John Wall, and, and having vets not like myself, Drew Gooden, Tyson Chandler, to lean on. We've been to all situations. I've been to the Western Conference Finals. I've been with the the the, uh, the chaos and the Clippers. I've been with <laughs> Jason Kidd in Milwaukee. So there's nothing I haven't seen in the league and telling these stories and letting these, and letting these young players know is valuable, which I think some teams value and some teams don't. What did that time in Phoenix teach you about, you know, there's always this perception, there's this feeling in the league and you hear fans say it all the time and it's like, our team's not good enough, just gut it, rebuild, liquidate our assets. And Phoenix did that. There's yes. other teams, Atlanta's doing it. And... You know, I hear that like in examples like Portland. Like they won almost 50 games last year. They were third seed in the West. And you hear people going, well, just we're not quite good enough. Well, like nobody in the league is good enough right now right. with Golden State. And you go like, why would you, no matter how many picks you got and that you're able to use, you might, you're never probably getting a Dame Lillard. You're probably never getting a C.J. McCollum. No matter how many lottery picks you get, like you don't just walk away from guys like that in their 20s. And yet there's this feeling around the league of, just and Phoenix is a good example. Like you can get stuck there, and it is hard to get out of that. So let me give you a couple of examples. This is a great topic. I like talking about stuff like this. So I understand that just the just gut it, be bad, get the top draft picks. So let's look at it. if you're trying. If the ultimate goal is to win a championship, you got to have the best players, right? The best players are not going to the cities that they don't want to live in. So it's very tough. I love Milwaukee. I played there. I would even go back later in my career, if possible. You never know how stuff works out. LeBron James not going to Milwaukee. Kyrie Irving's not going to Milwaukee. Now, that being said is, Suns could have had Kyrie. Suns could have traded Josh Jackson and got the Kyrie pick. They chose not to. 
And my thing is, we'll, we'll see five years down the road if that's the right decision. Does Josh Jackson turn into a Kawhi Leonard player where if you now get Kyrie to pair with him, you're telling me a third star would not want to go there? And so that's how you win now in this league. It's two ways you win in this league. Pairing stars with other stars, or you have to draft like OKC did and get Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, or Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. You either gotta, your, your scouts have to draft three NBA, all NBA guys, or you have to pair. So the easier thing is pairing. Players will play in Phoenix. Players will play here in Brooklyn because it's a good market. It's good to live. You get, you get exposure. So they could have had Kyrie. Now you're basing on if DeAndre Ayton or Josh Jackson doesn't hit, it's tough now to reach that pinnacle unless they're traded for a star. And that's the thing. You, you mentioned Phoenix. And you know, Porzingis was another one. Now with the injuries, you go, okay, right. who knows if he has the same injury in Phoenix. And it is a tough call Like when you've got like that fourth pick and you think – you know, you saw it with Kawhi Leonard, and DeMar DeRozan was the only real star that the Spurs were offered, like the only real now player right. that they could have had among the teams they were talking to. Like everybody else put their sort of top guys off limits, and they tried to do deals built around picks and, you know, good players, no great ones. And part of it was everybody felt he'd be a rental, and the Lakers felt, well, we'll just get him next year, so we're not getting our team, different reasons. Okay. Um, but it is harder to... Like, especially in those other markets, the risk of, like, even a Phoenix of a Kyrie Irving walking on you. For sure. Right? And that's why what I think Masai Ujiri did is it took a lot of guts because, you know, there's a very good chance Kawhi Leonard is going to walk on them. This isn't Paul George. He's a different personality than Paul George. You know Kawhi. They got a ton of work to do to sell him on Toronto. But you just said it. How players get to smaller markets, they are so limited in how they can acquire great ones. And then... Can they keep them? Because we've seen players are willing to take less money to go. And the fact that star players are willing to take less money, there's no legislation. There's no rules you can put in. You can keep making more advantages for the smaller market teams in terms of, you know, they can give you a five-year deal to stay where you are versus going somewhere else for four. You know, you can make more money staying where you are. Supermax contracts. Kawhi Leonard didn't want the Supermax from the Spurs. He was willing to leave. And the fact that guys are willing to take less, to me, it, it really hurts the smaller markets. Kawhi's a different situation than most because of him not speaking, him not being involved, him wanting to leave such an elite organization that's won a title that is in contention. I, I think we all would say with Kawhi Leonard healthy, they're a top four team to have a chance. So that's a very rare situation. I respect what Toronto did because they're going for it. And their whole thing is, hey, you have Houston, you now have the Lakers coming up, you now have, you have Golden State that's already there. Let's try to go for it one time. Where you're, and that's where, where Phoenix bought Kyrie, where, hey, you've been so bad. Get excitement. Get the buzz. So I know they lost DeRozan, but there's excitement around Kawhi. Because if Kawhi comes back to where he is, Kawhi is easily a top five player in the NBA, in my opinion, offensively and defensively. He doesn't resign. Kyle Lowry's in his last year. It's a contract you might be able to get off of it, and then you regroup it and you try to go back up again. But at least you have your show, you're telling your fan base when we have a chance, we're going to go for it. And I think fan bases respect that because a fan base doesn't mind rebuilding if it's done the right way. In Phoenix, they knew it would take a couple years, even in the process that you saw in Philly. But it is is where you just keep drafting guys over and over and over. You trade, you keep drafting, and you don't ever get a big fish. And that's where where Phoenix is. They haven't got that big fish yet. And I think that they're doing it the OKC way, just draft. Drafting, drafting, and seeing eventually if they get close enough, then going for it. Support for the Woj Pod comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. Let's talk about buying a home. It can be one of the most important purchases 
you'll ever make. But today's fluctuating interest rates can leave you with unexpected higher payments, which can turn a great experience into an anxious one. That's why Quicken Loans created their exclusive power buying process, and here's how it works. They check your income, assets, and credit to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer, making your offer more attractive to sellers. And once verified, you qualify for their exclusive rate shield approval. They'll lock your interest rate for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. Then, once you've found one, if rates have gone up, your rate stays the same. But if rates have gone down, you get to keep that new lower rate. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Woj, W-O-J. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. From when you got into the league, Jared, to now, how different is the mentality of the star player in the league about what they want, what they're looking for in a situation? Has it changed dramatically from when you first got in the league to now and how they view where they want to go, what the criteria are, and, and how they fit into it? It's changed because the star players are, are younger. So you got to think the first star player I played with was Steve Nash, obviously a team guy, older in his career, Amari Stoudemire. Uh, I think the rules, it was the old CBA, so it kind of it, it, it kept more uh, less player moving. They were staying in there. Shaq was over there. Now guys like John Wall, Giannis, these guys are stars because they're coming in at 19. They're stars at 24, 25, where, hey, they're friends. They're all friends. They all play AAU the social media area, they're all in L.A. in the summertime. So they're hanging out. As you saw the other day, LeBron coming out of a restaurant, KD's leaving that. So even when they you lose in the finals or you lose in the playoffs, you saw C.J. McCullough, his podcast, he's doing it with Kevin Durant. So these guys are all cool. So they want to play with them. LeBron, I'm not saying started the team up. He started the teaming up in a cool way where, hey, he went to Miami, how he did it. He won the championships. Durant, I wouldn't call it the cool way. I would call it the easy way. You know, we all have different sides of how we're going to do it. So you see that Jimmy Butler wanted to move. Guys, are they're easily wanting to move. And I think we think now in 2019, as we were told, that market, Brooklyn available, Knicks, Lakers, Philly, these major markets. And we, I, I'm almost certain we're going to see three or four stars move this next coming summer. And we may see a new level of tampering over the next year. <laughs> Players know how tampering works. Can a player tamper with another player? No, a player can't. That, and that's allowed. So a player can okay. recruit. You know, when the Golden State players were recruiting Kevin Durant, right. it was legal. It's mm-hmm. it's management that can't do it. Ownership can't do it. Right. But we all know it exists. For and sure. I think in the next year, especially because you have teams with multiple spots, where people, teams are going to be trying to partner players For together. Sure. I just think it's going to be real interesting. I think Adam Silver has his work done. It, it, it's hard to catch him. They caught the Lakers and. Was it a little fine they got? You know, a little, yeah. a little, a little yeah, $100 bill for Magic Johnson? I mean, yeah. they, it's hard to catch them I mean, with these age and stuff like that. And you know what goes on at the end of the day. If you have a good organization and it's tight and it, you don't have anything to worry about it. Because, I mean, you, when I hear Boston, when I hear even the Spurs, when you hear these top organizations, Miami, and, and you hear the reputation they have, like, you don't want to leave them. You, you want other players to come. It's the other organizations where I've been around five or six different teams where, hey, it's not as tight. It's not, it's not run the right proper way. And that's when people want to team up and want to leave. And if you can't bring another star in there, players are teaming up more and more than ever. Do you think players, I think there's just more information available to everybody now mm-hmm. than there ever was. 
that players and a lot of it's word of mouth too and your experiences in places but you know the agents know where that the organizations they respect i sense the players know more than ever about who the gms are what the front office is the ownership that those are questions guys ask more about and and want more information about than ever and that those are bigger parts of decisions i wasn't even a free agent this year and i i probably talked about 20 free agents of what's going on um when it comes to i mean I, i'm cool friends with jj reddick kyle lowry so when it comes to the market and i was talking about the market this year compared to next year obviously half the league is a free agent knowing what organization is this we ask we want to know how their practice schedules how they do for recovery uh flying so we, we, we want to know and, and so we're gets out of who does this around the league is there's no more player friendly coach than Mike D'Antoni of how he does his practice schedule how he does his freelancing and because of that young teams don't get that the vet teams get that players talk about players brag I, when I played for Doc Rivers he was phenomenal like, hey we might have a week off into our next game he give us three days go on vacation you know, hey, meet at the plane. So p- people, when you're the older you get, the vets, they don't, no one's trying to do grueling two, three hour practices. And that's kind of changed over the league. But you're right. When it comes to front offices, players know who they are, the assistants, and what their reputation is. Guys more cognizant of not wanting to have their bodies worn down, don't want to have as much maybe practice time or coaches who are going to, you know, overuse them in minute situations, not give them rest. I think that's a bigger part of it too, right? Huge. I, I, I mean, I, I know Byron Scott. I mean, I've talked to him a couple of times, but his repu- I never played for him. His reputation, he will wear you down. He will wear you down from the practice schedule to in season to how grueling it is. Dan Marley, I know he's an old-timer, you know, obviously a coach when I was there. Pat Raleigh was the same way. He said, great coach, but just to practice. how it, Now that's a little more old school, and I think the, the Brad Stevens of the world of how they're moving. Side, that's one of the reasons why two years ago I was almost signed with Brooklyn was Kenny Atkinson. His vision and how he saw moving the ball, ball movement, recovery. More trainers are coming from Australia uh, of trying to help out and trying to help the recovery process, man. So players are definitely more cognizant of that. And I think Tibbs in Minnesota, that's going to oh, be that's another one. That's I've a challenge. Heard, that's a challenge that. for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's real. Players will go and do that to get overpaid. Mm-hmm. The stars are not dealing with that. And now when I say not dealing with that is when they have the, the choice. And the perfect example, we'll see about Jimmy Butler. Yes, money is a situation to win situation, but you can't tell me style of play and taking care of your body is not up there with the other two. Yeah, when you look at the power in the NBA is centralized around the players. The star player has more power. Owners defer to them, management defers to them, and contracts are mostly all guaranteed. And it, it's, I think you see the contrast to the NFL more than you ever have. There's a few players in the NFL who can command that, some quarterbacks, some super elite at a position, but we saw it with how this anthem issue has played out and this would never happen in the NBA. Never. What the players, and it's just, to me, it's more, I just think it's more dramatic. You can see that the NBA player has something and has figured out how to exercise it and leverage it and use it in a way that maybe it could never happen in football because of the injuries, the careers are shorter, maybe players are more disposable based on how quickly it can end there. But boy, like, 
It's never been more dramatic. Well, I mean, if you look at it, obviously everyone knows his basketball compared to football. LeBron James goes from Cleveland to Miami and sees the, the dramatic of when it comes to financially what it does for the city, the team, when it comes to the uh, forms of what you value a team coming from, going back to Cleveland now to it, his power. Kevin Durant going from OKC, that if Kevin Durant went to the Knicks or he went to the Clippers, of what value they go to title contention. If Tom Brady went to, let's just say, the worst team, Cleveland Brown, they're not making them. They're not making Super Bowl. So just one man in basketball, because it's very rare a, a player, knock on wood, gets a season in injury, cannot be a part of it. Even if LeBron misses 40 games, as long as he's back for April 1st, you know they're a title contender. So when it comes to that, then I would say more NBA players, star players are more vocal. Now, there are a lot of vocal players in that. When LeBron speaks like Tom Brady, like Aaron Rodgers, people listen. The thing about it is you tell you LeBron speaks on everything. When it comes to Trump, when it comes to the NBA, Donald Sterling, what he did. So I think that he uses his words wisely. He's smart about it. Chris Paul being a star and being the head of the union, you see with that all the time. And then you go to the commissioner. He usually gets ahead of the problem. When it came to the anthem, we heard that he met with players. Hey, you know, this is what we're trying to do. And players are, you know, I remember the Sterling thing. We we heard that his his little tape. We didn't want to play. Now it's a playoff game. Are we going to catch a loss for a playoff game? I think I think. If was a regular season game, I don't think we would have played. Now, being the playoffs first round, we're trying to win a championship. And then what he did right away, getting rid of the owner, like, would that ever happen in the NFL? I don't see it, to be honest with you. If, if someone had said that, I think it would have been fine. So you're right. Players have a lot more power nowadays. Yeah, and I think you mentioned Silver and, and the players and him going to them, talking at the time. You were a great beneficiary of the union not going with the smoothing. That There was a cap spike. Huge. Huge, right? <laughs> and do you think that the players at the time, I knew the agents were all very concerned with how this was going to play out, that there would be a class of players, really two classes, two summers of free agents that were going to get paid well, and then the market was going to do what it's done the last two years, really tighten up. For sure. Do you sense the players really knew as much as they should have that the, even the union leadership outside of Michelle Roberts, I mean, the players on the executive committees, player reps, did they know enough about how this might play out and made a decision based on, we're going to do it this way, we're, we're going to allow a few to be paid at a much greater rate than, than what's going to be available the next couple of years, just out of dumb luck that they're free agents this year? I don't think they knew exactly. I think they had a gate, you know, they kind of gauged it where, you know, I remember uh, Roger Mason was uh, talking about it with Michelle Roberts and they just wanted to have it. They wanted to be the owner. I, it was something that Sometimes when uh, when the league comes to you about something, you just fight just to fight it. That's that's, I, that's what I always thought that's natural. When, I mean, that's natural because this is what the yeah. league wanted, <clears throat> and it was Michelle had been was just starting right. her job, and I do think there was some feeling of we're going to resist because we don't want to look like we're giving in to their idea. Right. We want to show the players that we're here to fight for them. We're not just if it wasn't the league coming to them with the proposal. I think it might have been viewed differently, but it wasn't. Yeah, like, we don't want to look right. like we're bending to it. You know what? I, I can say it to a certain extent. And if you know, Michelle Roberts, obviously a smart woman. Yeah. She probably gauged it both ways. She probably talked about it. But yes, I mean, anytime the league comes to us, vice versa. If we came to the league about something, they'll fight back first and then they might let it go through. So I, I, I totally believe that looking back on it. I was a huge benefit. You know, obviously, you know, you see the money now with guys like Isaiah Thomas getting the minimum. These guys aren't minimum players. Some of these guys have gotten gypped because of there was just no space and because of what happened a couple of years ago. I think that w what we know now, it definitely would have been smoothed in. 
to let Kevin Durant build into the Warriors? Do you think the league, if the league could take that back, the league would have fought it too. I don't think the league wanted that. Players didn't want that. And look, if you, if, if you had all players vote on it, they wouldn't have wanted that. So they would have. You know, players like myself, Talelovich, Ryan Anderson, a lot of contracts they gave out because they had a lot of extra money. That being said is, that's a little bit on the teams and leagues yeah. where, hey, you got to know, hey, what players are coming up in the future. And because of that, it's been tight. And I think that next year we'll kind of get back to the free flow spending. Yeah, and I, and I think teams have to show restraint. They almost never do. And I think it's kind of log-jammed trades over the last couple of years because there's been so many contracts. You have so many teams trying to get money off. So few teams with the space to take it on and to take it on or to do it. They want like, picks. They want picks. For and sure. you got to mortgage your future. Yep. And it's not really worth it. And I think it's, I think it's stymied a lot of movement the last, I would say, there have been fewer trades in the last, I don't know, 18 months, whatever it is. And almost every trade. And what's amazing too is like every trade is a money. There's so few trades ever anymore that are just basketball trades. For sure. Like the one I can think of like last year, and I can't think of many like it, was Nurkic for Mason Plumley. It was, okay, we think my guy, each thought the other fit a little better. Mm-hmm. Not really money-driven. It was more fit, and you don't see many of those anymore. No. No, you definitely don't. I mean, you got to think about when I signed my contract three for 30, it's hard to move because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the money, the new money, earlier. So now someone who might be my skill level, he might be making four or five trying to get a new deal. And so to be able to move someone like myself, Tyson Chandler, you kind of had to wait till all these other guys get these contracts. So for them to move me kind of like the Clippers did, you got to throw in a first-round pick. you got to throw in a second-round pick. They have to, to, to want to take on that salary, and it, it made it a lot easier now that I'm in an expiring contract. So teams are taking that on the last year where when the, the Lakers were trying to get off the Moscow. You know, Brooklyn took on Russell. It's always with the assets. So now some of these teams have to, you know, are you going to mortgage some of your future? And that's why Phoenix and Boston have done a good job of getting these picks. And then you saw even Philly now getting that pick from Phoenix. Like some of this stuff is crucial. Miami mortgaged their picks. Brooklyn a couple years ago mortgaged their picks. And you see that these picks are more valuable today than they ever have. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj, W-O-J. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over a 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash W-O-J. ZipRecruiter.com slash Woj. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. To now be back in the Eastern Conference after having seen, especially when you're rebuilding like Phoenix, Mm. I mean, you just get your brains beaten in the West every night. You've been in the East. You've been back and forth between the two conferences, but I don't think the divide. Now, the the elite teams, Boston might be the second best team in the league for sure. this year, and Philly, top five, you know, in the league. 
but it drops from there. And huge, right? And and we know all the all league. You go through like what the top three, you know, first team, second team, third team, all NBA. They're almost all in the West. The Gulf's never been bigger. Do you know how tough to play is at Denver? Like a team that didn't make the playoffs, who Millsap missed how many games? Like, I mean, the West is like like no other. I mean, especially when you're trying to rebuild and you've lost seven or eight, the schedule gets harder. Anytime you go on a losing streak, you see coming up, you know, I mean, the Lakers were tough at times. When I was in the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee, the reason why we made that huge jump from worse than Philly when Philly was trying to tank to making the playoffs where you was in the Eastern Conference. That couldn't have happened in the West. So it's an easier transition. I think it's easier for coaches keeping their jobs to be able to be in the Eastern Conference because you can get into that playoffs. You're you're in the mix. Where in that West, man, I, I'll tell you, man, it's definitely a beast. And Phoenix, you could be, think about it, Minnesota has Jimmy Butler, two number one picks. They're fighting for the eighth spot. Now, Jimmy didn't miss games, but does it get tough? The Lakers are making the playoffs, so yeah. someone's out. You right. know, someone's, someone's not making so I I'll let them worry about that. Yeah, no, and right, but you said it like with Denver. That's a yeah. it was a non playoff team that just no, it is dramatic and there's been talk about balancing the playoffs and making it a one through sixteen, but they need a two thirds majority. And I think Michael Jordan's voting for that in Charlotte. For sure not. Like he can get an eighth seed and get in the playoffs with thirty eight, thirty eight, whatever it might be, forty wins. Now the West would be fifteen oh. The owners in the West would vote fifteen oh to create that. But I'm not sure they can get one vote in the East. The to do only it. way I would see it if somehow the Lakers make the ninth spot and miss the playoffs in that market, and then that's when Adam Silver's going behind <laughs> the scenes with these only listen here. We're, I'll give you something back. But hey, if somehow the Lakers and LeBron, if they were fighting one game and they missed it and the league didn't have LeBron and the Lakers in the playoffs, that's the only way it's happening. If not, hey, it's going to be two conferences is how it's going to be. I want to call that conspiracy theory. But how much do players talk about the idea that the league wants certain things to happen and pushes to make them happen, whether it's daily. How? Okay. Day, daily. No, and I would say this, though, too. Some of the stuff is a joking. Some of the stuff is serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean – when it comes to the balls underneath, when it comes to the lottery, we joke about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that one I don't fully feel is a conspiracy when they give these different picks and stuff like that. Cause obviously, you know, when LeBron going back, you know, it, it sometimes are coincidence, but when it comes to certain things, how, how these refs are refing when it comes to different times, when how, when it comes to these payrolls and, you know, in, in certain games, like I mean, you couldn't tell me Indiana had a chance to beat. No one wants to see Indiana play the next round and not LeBron. That's no disrespect to Indiana. Indiana deserved that series. They played harder. They played smarter. It's just one person had LeBron James. Now his will willed them in there, but we all know deep down inside. So you have to be that much better, and that's how it is. And sometimes that's how it should be depending on this being a business also. The officiating relationships with the players – has it ever been worse? Never been worse. Why? And I, you know what? I think this, it's, it's a new crop. I think it's, hey, players are just us to blame as it is as the refs. So let me put that out there right now. Right. It's the, not ref, all the, the refs, refs feel like they're under attack all the time. All the players. time. That players are going after them. The referees feel the league does not support them with fines, suspensions, that guys are verbally going after them, saying things, things that used to get guys suspended don't get them fined anymore, and that it's open season on them. And that's why when you saw last year a rash of – ejections of star players it wasn't an accident i mean look at it from phoenix we were second in technicals how are you a second in technicals you're the worst team in the nba and you're one of the youngest so for one got players are coming in younger 
They see how players are talking to refs. So now it's just how it is. You got an older brother doing bad things, the younger brother going to do bad things. This is how life works. So they see it. So how they talk to refs, we're getting technicals every other game. So they, now you're seeing these players. Now players are making more money than they ever do. What's, what's $1,500? I'll take a tech. We don't, they don't care. And then now I will say this. These refs are more more basketball than other too. They're talking back. Right. They're getting. They have attitudes too. And sometimes it's before players even do anything. I remember right. Tyson Chandler got a technical, and he was just talking to the ref. He didn't curse. He didn't disrespect them. I've never even heard Tyson Chandler curse at a ref, and he teched them up. And we were looking. I was looking at him like we had no idea. Now he might have got mother whatever mm-hmm. ten times before by these young players, and so right. he just took it out. That happens. That's no. Yeah. So players need to start chirping. Stop chirping. And if you do chirp, do it in a respectful manner. I mean, you look at some of these guys, the way they talk to refs. Now, that being said is the refs in the first quarter, you can't say no more talking. You have to be able to dialogue with these players, and the vets will be able, be able to do it. So the mm-hmm. veteran refs were better at dealing with players. Veteran players were better at talking. These young players are coming in with more money, being more disrespectful. I, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> no, I, I don't know what's going on. No, it is bad. And you're right. And I think the way it was descri- it's been described to me is, you know, the older refs knew how to talk to For players. Sure. They knew how to build relationships. And the young guys have been taught and told, and, and women mm-hmm. have been told, don't interact with the players. Don't they don't want that the league, and so then they need but it to creates. They have to. Yeah. You, you gotta let them interact. And by the way, like you know why they're not as good because they haven't done it as long. And it's, to For me, sure. it's like any other craft. Like you know how you become a better referee mm-hmm. by officiating more. For and sure. like you're gonna hopefully be better in your fourth or fifth year than you are in your first or second mm-hmm. year, like a player would. And I think people have to live with the growth that you gotta you hope that the growth comes and they do get better but it's like any other business you're going to get better by by doing it right mm-hmm. perfect yeah. perfect example Monty, who's now the head of it I, I remember playing in games i'm playing defense i'm in the key and he, he might be on the baseline jerry got that key jerry got that key he, he's talking to you while you play no hey, get, get your hand off jared they're talking to you while you're playing while the flow is still going instead of just calling everything and now we're dialoguing now we're i mean basketball is such an emotional sport now, I'm going to let DeMarcus Cousins get away with a little bit more. When you're a star player, now, that being said, there's a line. And after a while, listen, once I give you a tech, I'm not going to let you just keep. Now, if you want to talk and talk to me like a man, I can understand a ref being said. Now, these refs, Adam Silver should definitely let them interact a little bit more and be able to. When you, when you know someone, you have a conversation, you respect them more. That's in my opinion. What do you think the line should be? What's too far on either side to go where you say, okay, like there's got to be some kind of repercussion for it okay i feel the line is it can't be every time down i feel if he asks a question in a respectful manner he should be able to ask that if he curses during the play well that's not a foul okay let that ride now if he's cursing at you you did this that's the line that should be a, te- a tech mm-hmm. automatically i've seen uh, a couple of these refs give durant the technical foul and he said you know what i deserve that and we all know I got I got a couple of technical fouls where I didn't believe the coach should have got one, and I just cursed the ref out after I apologized to him. Listen, I, I wanted to get that for our team. We needed that. Sometimes you, we, we technicals inspire a team. So I think just hey man, all these players we all have you know moms growing up being respectful. There, there's a line, and as long as you're talking to them in a respectful manner, I can talk to Monty every time I'm down. Monty, what you see out there? My, you can build. It's, it's the way you do it. And if they don't do that, get them text early. And then let's move on. And then talk to him. I gave you tech. Hey, I gave you tech, man. You can't talk to me like that. Come on now. Let's play ball. That's all it is, man. There was some, like, dialogue at the All-Star break of, you know, some of the elite players went in and talked with some officials. I, I don't know that it's going to change anything. I heard the worst meeting was the Warriors. I heard it was the worst meeting. Like, they were turning their back on them. That's what I heard. Well, and they're it, the best team. How was that? <laughs> it, no, no. Well, it's bad. I mean, it is bad there. Uh-huh. And 
That's hilarious. Um, yeah, it's and I don't know how it because it was to me. I thought it was the biggest story in the league for a lot of the year. To me, it really was the biggest issue the league had, and I don't know that's getting better. I think that players would love to see that. Hey, if a if a ref is wrong, let's see the fine. Let's see a suspension where we where we're humanized. Where same thing is maybe and maybe one thing you get back to the refs is they don't like the two minute report. They know they make mistakes, so maybe we get rid of the two minute report. But we there has to. I mean, I know in baseball when they do someone, I see suspensions. I never the only suspension I saw, as I believe, who was it who uh, headbutted uh, Sean Livingston? I forget what ref uh, it was. Yeah, obviously that's going to be suspension. But I'm talking about hey, listen here, this ref made bad calls. He was fine. He treated this player with disrespect. He's fine. Two thousand dollars. So then we can go back and say, oh, okay, well now we, we we see the discipline where we don't see it. We don't know how they get graded. We don't know. We don't. We don't. No one knows. So I think we should give refs a little bit, take the two minute report, but give something back. So Jared, how now do you 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 live in San Diego full time? Do you put your kids in school in Brooklyn? I'll put them in school. Year. My my, yeah. my family goes with me wherever I go. I mean, unless somehow I've. I've never been traded on a trade deadline. If I was to a trade deadline, I probably would leave them the city they're at. That's why anytime you get traded, you make sure your family's right, school, situation. I've been blessed where my mom and mother-in-law come out and be able to watch when it, when it comes here. So every time I've been trading in the summertime, I'm here now doing this with you. I've been here a couple of days of looking for places, and my intention is to be here all year. And you, you never know what happens in this business, but some people keep their families away. I'm more of a family guy where I want them around. Obviously, I have a son, two daughters, want them experience different cultures dc to milwaukee to la new york i'm hoping by the time they're 16 17 they're more cultured and know a little Mm -hmm. bit more about the world than i did at that age great jared hey thanks for stopping in man and we'll see you plenty around new york now hey I'm, I'm, i'm in the city now awesome thanks for listening to this episode of the woge pod a big thank you to my guest today here in brooklyn new nets forward jared dudley remember you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this pod wherever you get your podcasts You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your shows. Thanks to today's sponsor, of course, ZipRecruiter. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.